Good morning. How's everybody everybody doing this morning? Good? I, uh, I'm doing well, other than my voice is a little the way it is, so you have to kind of overlook that. But <clears throat> we're not going to use that as an excuse. You know, sometimes uh, the devil tries to trip you up, and Aaron asked me to come share, and I don't think my voice was even bad when you asked me to share, and then it just kind of went south, and I said, you know what? You know, I don't know if it's if the devil's trying to hinder it, but at the same time, you know, you just don't let that happen, right? So, um, I'm going to talk about gratitude this morning. Uh, it's actually a message I had a few weeks ago, so it was pretty timely there, probably four weeks ago at our church. And um, I want to invite any of you guys, you're welcome anytime in our, at our church. Um, earlier today uh, in Sunday school, the question came up, what's something you could do better at? And from an outside perspective, you could do a better job at coming visiting us at our church. So, <clears throat> um, Al shared what he did about what happened to him. And I'm sure you're feeling gratitude this morning for the outcome of that. And um, I think I told you, Al, <clears throat> some of you might have not, not heard, but Branson and I were fishing on Sugar Lake about oh, a month ago maybe, a month and a half ago. And we took the canoe out, and it was one of those nights that we probably shouldn't have gone, but, you know, when you like to fish, you like to fish. And so we took the canoe. I got a really good stable. I mean, I think it's as stable of a canoe as you can buy. I mean, it's like one of those molded ones. It's like this wide in the middle. It's probably 14 feet long or something. Um, we fished our way around the... The Cooperstown end of it would be the, uh, the east end. We fished around the east end, went down the Wool Creek, and we were coming back, and it, it was pretty windy. And I, I was coming back, and we were coming across the main part of the lake and rowing really hard to try to not miss the place we wanted to get out because the way the wind was blowing, it was we would have missed it by maybe a couple hundred feet, and then we'd have had to row back against the waves. To, to get out so we're not getting out down on private land. And <clears throat> anyway, we're just rowing really hard. We were both rowing on the same side because the way the wind was pushing us, you just rowed one side and you were fine. You didn't really have to. And I'm not sure, last thing on my mind was flipping a canoe. Cause, I mean, I didn't even think about flipping it. It's stable and I'm not sure what I did, but maybe we rowed the same time, but I think I just dug really deep and pulled too far up and I flipped us like that. And we were dead smack in the middle of the lake. I mean, we couldn't have been centered more. And the water temps were probably 57. It's 2,000 feet across the lake, so we were probably 1,000 feet from the shore. So over 300 yards from the shore. And the canoe was laying upside down, um, full of water. And there's just no way you can right side up a big canoe. A kayak you can, because they typically are molded enough on both sides, they don't really fill and there was nothing you could do. There wasn't one other person on the lake. So I said, we just got to swim. And we were both wearing life jackets. I'll throw this out there with, with life jackets. I mean, it's not the coolest thing in the world to be seen with a life jacket on. You know, if you're a macho man, it's not the cool. Life jackets aren't cool. But it isn't cool to drown either. And you kind of have sometimes, you know, it, you, never, you never expect to flip a canoe. So... It happened so fast that if neither one of us would have had a life jacket on, we'd have had to scramble around to try to find these floating life jackets fully dressed. 
You know, I was wearing a sweatshirt, and it wasn't that cold out, but it was still probably 60 degrees or so. But the water temps were pretty cold. Anyway, <clears throat> so we we're both wearing a life jackets, and I'm just like, hey, my concern wasn't swimming in or whether we're going to drown. My concern was the water temperatures are cold, and we're a thousand feet from shore. We got a long ways to swim. So we swam a little ways, and um, I seen a guy on the shore, and I just hollered at him, and I just hollered help. And I, I seen he went, um, there's a bar right across from there, and I seen he went up to the bar. So I figured he heard us. Um, but we were probably maybe 50 yards from the shore, and some girl came out with a kayak and got him on the kayak, you know, just to get him out of the water, and I just held on the back of the kayak. And, and you know, we got out and shivered for 20 minutes, and... By the time we got out, the ambulance had come because they called 911. They didn't know how bad it's going to be. You know, they didn't know was it just us two or what. But it was a pretty dramatic experience, you know. Um, and it was cold. I mean, by the time I got out of the water, I could feel my heart, like, doing weird stuff. Because it was just, I mean, you were just in the water. We were probably in that cold water for at least 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes. So, you know, and I got a new appreciation for life, you know. And... Um, it was just, <clears throat> it just takes something like that to make you realize that the things that you take for granted every day are things you shouldn't take for granted, you know? And um, so I thought of that. I didn't really plan on sharing that, but I just thought of that with that story. <clears throat> I told Branson the next day, I said, hey, we're just, you don't have to go to school. I said, we're just going to take the day off. We're going to go celebrate life. And we did, and it was, it was cool. All right, so this morning I want to talk about um, just gratitude. You know, um, maybe ask yourself, how positive of a, of a person am I? How much positivity do I give to the people around me? Or maybe negativity to the people around me? Do I tend to think positive? Do I tend to think negative? Um, so everybody goes through seasons of life. Some seasons are great. Some are difficult. Through it all, we get to decide how we react. It's always our choice. Do we persevere through our challenges? Do we choose gratitude? Do we choose happiness? As we face the challenges that life can bring our way, we need to make a choice about how we're going to react. If we aren't able to keep hope, accept what is, and, ex and experience gratitude, it's hard to move forward. Um, you know, we all go through seasons of life that are hard. Uh, you know, life, life looks like a heartbeat. It's up and down. Sometimes you're on top and sometimes you're in the valley. Um, it's just that way. You can interview every person on the face of the earth and it's just that way. You know, you go through a season and, and you lose a loved one. This year has been tough. There's a lot of people that, you know, people have lost. Friends people have lost. Um, there's a lot of ups and downs. But through it all, we still have so many things to be grateful for. We still have so many things to be joyful about. I had to think about this song this morning. Um, he paid a debt that I did not owe. That's our foundation. This is the number one reason for us to be grateful, and, and that never changes. No matter what happens, that debt has been paid. Nobody can rob that from you. Nobody can take that from you, and that should be the foundation for your joy. That should, you should, your gratitude should be rooted in something that doesn't change. The number one thing that you've got your gratitude rooted on, it should be something that doesn't change. Otherwise, it's just going to go up and down with life as life goes up and down all right children do you want a story you like stories 
All right, let's read a story. I got a couple stories. The first one's a story of gratitude. It says Anthony Ray Hinton spent 30 years on death row for a crime he did not commit. Think about that. How would you like to go to jail for the next 30 years for something you did not do? You were just at the wrong place at the wrong time, I guess, and they put you in jail. He was working in a locked factory at the time of the crime. He was being accused for the police told him he was going to jail because he was black. His time in jail was spent in solitary confinement in a five-by-seven cell, allowed, and they only allowed him out one hour a day. But Hinton quickly became a friend and counsel to other inmates and death row guards, many of whom begged Hinton's attorneys to get him out. A Supreme Court ruling ordered his release, and he was able to walk free. So after 30 years, he was actually able to get out. <clears throat> In an interview, he is quoted saying, One does not know the value of freedom until it is taken away. People run out of the rain, but I run into the rain. I am so grateful for every drop just to feel it on my face. Because for 30 years, he could never feel that. So the rain actually became a thing for him. We tend to complain when it's wet, don't we? But let it be a thing. Let it, let it be something. This man did. He's seen that. It was, he missed it, I'm sure, in his life. That's just a little thing. Hinton was later interviewed on 60 Minutes. The interviewer asked him if he was angry at the people who put him in jail. But he said he forgave them all. How hard would that be to do? Think about that. 30 years you were in jail, but you still forgave them all. The, interview, the interviewer asked him, but they took 30 years of your life. How can you not be angry? And Hinton responded, if I am angry and unforgiving, they will have taken the rest of my life. So that's, isn't that an amazing response to something very unfortunate that happened to his life? And if he can respond like this to, to something that robbed him of 30 years, I think we can have a, maybe a more positive response to things that happen to us sometimes. The world didn't give you joy. How much of your life have you spent angry or unforgiving or for far less suffering or circumstances out of anyone's control? Unfortunately, many people spend their life angry or unforgiving of themselves Hinton is a strong example of the ability to respond with joy and gratitude despite horrendous circumstances. So here's, he quoted this in another interview. The world didn't give you joy. The world can't take it away. You can let people come into your life and destroy it, but I refuse to let anyone take my joy. I wake up in the morning and I don't need anyone to make me laugh. I'm going to laugh on my own. Because I have been so blessed to see another day. And when you're blessed to see another day, that automatically gives you joy. So, um, I thought it was a powerful story of choosing joy. Choosing to laugh on your own. Choosing to be positive about every day. When you get up in the morning, nobody owed you this morning to get up and to have all your children and your wife get up with you and have another day together. Nobody owed that to you. So it's a gift. And I think if we see it that way, we start responding to it in a different way. <clears throat> Luke 17 says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem, says talking about Jesus, that he passed through the midst of the Samar Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten lepers, ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. 
And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priests. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleaned. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified, glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten leopards that were cleansed? But where are the other nine? They are not, they are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. He said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. So here there was ten lepers cleansed, but only one of them came back to show his gratitude. If we would have been those people, would have we showed gratitude? Would we have came back? Did we live our life in a way that others would believe that if you say you go back, that you would have went back and you would have said thank you? Um, something that this brings out to me is I think it's that it's obvious that people struggle with being grateful. It's not just now. It was all the way back then, thousands of years ago. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, maybe, maybe we don't conquer perfectly, but it's something that we put an effort in and work at that we actually live our life and choose to live our life gratefully. So just a couple things to think about. We live in a land of plenty. We, I mean, if I asked for a raise of hands, every one of you would probably raise your hands to say that you have plenty, right? We have plenty. I came across a uh, saying recently that's one of the shortest sayings that I really like. And I think you should, we should probably all have this as a motto and put it in our kitchen somewhere. But it's real simple, and it says this, enough is a feast. There's many people in this world that don't have enough and don't have what we have, but yet probably live just as grateful or more grateful life than some of us do. So we live in a land of plenty. We actually live in a land of great riches. And by the world's standards, many of us in here are rich. By the world's standards. Many people's main concern is that they have something to eat and that they have a place to sleep. And honestly, there isn't one of us in here that really has a concern that I'm aware of that we're really concerned about where am I going to sleep or what am I going to eat. And ultimately, that is, there's a lot of people that have those concerns. So I just want to maybe um, remind us of some of the things that, that we do that maybe we take for granted, but that is really rich. That is really maybe more than we realize. But just take, for example, you go eat at a restaurant. Think, stop and think about what you're really doing. When you go eat at a restaurant, you're saying that you have the means to go sit yourself and your family down at somebody else's table, tell them exactly how you want your food made, and you can make the biggest mess you want to make, and when it's all done, you just get up and walk out and somebody else cleans it all up for you. Think about how rich that is. And I know, we, you know, you might not go every day, but it's something that we all do that we just don't even think about anymore. But that's like, that's ridiculously rich that you can do that or that you can afford that. You're not living on some rice and chicken, you know? And then there's something I can't stand. And I just like to walk up to some of the people that do this and have a conversation and a come to Jesus moment with them. When you hear people at the restaurant complaining about their food wasn't made perfectly. But don't let that be you. Be grateful. Be thankful. You know? 
maybe your steak was medium well instead of medium. Maybe it was a little bit rarer than you like. But stop and think about what you're actually capable and able to do and how blessed you are. That's just one little thing that the American people have made it part of their life. But that we don't think about too much. Um, and there's many other things that we could throw in here as examples that, that we just take for granted um, that we get to do or that we have. We just made it a part of life and we take it for granted so often. All right, so <clears throat> let's read another story. Today I have a short story for you about gratitude. A blind man sat on the steps of a building with a hat by his feet. He held up a sign which read, I am blind, please help. Have you children ever thought about being blind? What would it be like if your eyes did not work? Why don't we just for a second close your eyes? Just close your eyes, everybody, close your eyes for about 10 seconds. You can't see anything, can you? Nothing. It's dark. What if your entire life was like that? Okay, you can open them. What if you think about that? What if your entire life was like that? How often do you thank God for your eyes? When was the last time that you thanked God for your eyes? How many of you know you thanked God for your eyes last week? Very few people, because we take it so for granted. But yet, if we didn't have it, we would give everything we had for it. There's many things like your eyes that you have, too, that we can be so grateful and thankful for. This boy didn't have his eyes. He couldn't see. says, there was only a few coins in the hat. Spare change from folks as they hurried past. A man was walking by. He took a few coins from his pocket. He dropped them in the hat. He took the sign. He turned it around, and he wrote some words. Then he put the sign back in the boy's hat so that everybody who walked by would see the new words. Soon the hat began to fill up. A lot more people were giving money to the blind. That afternoon, the man who changed the sign returned to see how things were. The boy recognized his footsteps and he asked, Were you the one who changed my sign this morning? What did you write? You want to know what he wrote? The man said, I only wrote the truth. I said what you said, but in a different way. In a different way. He said, I wrote, Today is a beautiful day, but I cannot see it. Both signs spoke the truth, but the first sign simply said the boy was blind, while the second sign conveyed to everyone walking by how grateful they should be to be able to see. When life seems to be full of troubles, it seems difficult to maintain an attitude of gratitude, doesn't it? All we see is our problems, like a blackened storm cloud casting a dark shadow over our lives. And the times when everything just seems to be going smoothly, we often take these precious moments for granted, too caught up in the bliss, comfort, and familiarity of it all. We can simply forget to be grateful. So what? So what then is gratitude? Simply put, gratitude is a way of looking at the world and all the good things in it with a feeling of appreciation regardless of whether or not your current situation is to your liking. Gratitude is a heart-centered approach to being at peace with yourself and with all you have. When you practice this feeling of gratitude, it attracts even more things into your life to be grateful for. So when you, when you are a person who is natural or who chooses to naturally be thankful, because it's a choice. You can't just say, well, I don't feel it today. Well, maybe some days you have to work at it harder than others, but it is a choice. 
Everybody that seems to just be a grateful person was probably not born that way. He probably chose to live his life in a grateful way, chose to focus on the things that he can be grateful for, and he's done it often enough that it became a way of life for him. Numbers 14, I'm going to read this chapter. It's kind of a long chapter, but it's, um, I'll just read it. You can turn to it if you want to, Numbers 14. And it says, The congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And the people wept that night. It's talking about the children of Israel in the, uh, in the desert. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron and the whole congregation and unto them, and said unto them, Would God that we died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the, by the sword, that our wives and children should be prey and... Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly and the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneth, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes. And they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and, and give it to us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But all the congregation bade, bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? How long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed among them, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them, and will make, make thee a greater nation and mightier than they. And Moses said unto the Lord, <coughs> Then the Egyptians shall hear it, for thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them, and they will tell it to the jubilance of this land, for they have heard that thou, Lord, among that thou, Lord, art among this people. Thou, Lord, art seen face to face, and thou, that thou, thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by day, time in a pillar of a cloud, and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nation will have heard that the fame of thee will speak, saying, Because the Lord was not able to bring the people into the land which he spared unto them, wherefore he has slain them in the wilderness. And now I beseech thee, and now I beseech thee, let the power of thy Lord be great according as thou hast spoken, saying, The Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generations. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of his people according to the greatness of thy mercy, and as for thou has forgiven his people, the Egyptians, even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word, but as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, because of those men which have seen the glory in my miracles, which I did in Egypt in the wilderness, and have tempted me now. Now these ten times have not hearkened to my voice. Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto the fathers, neither shall any of them that provoke me see it. My servant Caleb, because he has another spirit with him and followed me fully, 
Him I will bring in the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the land in the valley. Tomorrow turn you, tomorrow turn you, and get into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which have murmured against me. Say unto them, As surely as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ear, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and all that, and all that were numbered of you according to your whole number from twenty years twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless you shall not come in the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones which ye shall should be but your little ones which should be a prey, then will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness, and your children shall wander in the wilderness forty years, and bear your whoredoms until the carcass be wasted in the wilderness. After the number of days in which ye search the land, even forty days and forty and and after the number of days in which ye search the land, even forty days, each day four years, shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years ye shall know my breach of promise. I the Lord said unto I the Lord have said, I will surely do it unto this evil congregation and that are gathered together against me. In this wilderness shall they consume, be consumed, and they shall die. And the men which, and the men which Moses sent to search the lands, who returned and made all the congregation murmur against him by, by bringing up a slander upon the land. Even those men that did bring up the evil report into the land died from the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, which were of the men that were, that went to search the lands, lived still. And Moses told them, saying, Unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. And they rose up in early and got them into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and we go up in this place where the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. And Moses said, Wherefore, now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord, but it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that ye be not smitten before the enemies. For the Achamites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because ye are turned away from the Lord. Therefore the Lord will not be with you. But they presumed to go up unto the hill, presumed to go up to the hilltop. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and Moses departed not out of the camp. Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites, which dwelt in that land, smote them and dis, and dis, smote them and discomfited them even unto Horm, Horma. Um, kind of a long chapter, but here the children of Israel, God intervened for them and softened the Pharaoh's heart to let them come out of the land of Egypt to the promised land. And it was a journey. They couldn't just get into buses and it was a journey. And it was a long journey. And God intervened for these people so often. He parted the Red Sea. He guided them by a cloud and by fire and there was many other miracles the water that um, he provided many things that God was present in their life but yet they became grumbling people ungrateful people to the point that God took away the promised land from them the land that flowed with milk and honey 
And I've told my children often when they're grumbling about something, I said, look, and I know they're grumbling more about, their grumblings was more than just about their food. But if the children of Israel couldn't grumble about eating the same food for 40 years, chicken and biscuits for 40 years, then you can't grumble about eating that every so often. Okay? Just eat it, you know, whatever. And I've used that often for them. But I think it's a lesson for us that maybe they, if, if we see, well, we see circumstances sometimes that we think that we have the rights to complain about. But really, do we? I'll let you answer the question. Do we? So, um, there's some, the Bible is full of verses that God tells us to be grateful the lack of gratitude was a sin that cost these people the promised land. And I think if it, caught, if it kept them from entering into the promised land, then maybe, maybe gratitude's a little more serious than we take sometimes. Maybe it can hinder us. Maybe if we live an ungrateful life, it can actually hinder us from reaching the promised land, which ultimately is heaven. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, And everything gives thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Psalms 107 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for his good, for his mercy endureth forever. Psalms 100 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. And there is so many more verses. There is hundreds of more verses that we could add to this. But we're not going to for the sake of time. Just Bible is full of verses that commands us to be grateful, to be joyful, and to be happy. I personally believe it's impossible to be ungrateful and happy at the same time. Gratitude is a choice, and I think it should be the way of Christians. I really do. And ultimately, our foundation of gratitude is that song we sang this morning, that we have a debt that's been paid, a debt that we couldn't pay. I think every one of you that, that professes to be born again has got to a place in your life that you got to a place that you said, there is no way that on my own I can ever be perfect enough to enter heaven. And it became a debt that you couldn't pay. It became a $100 million debt that you said, I'll never pay that in my lifetime. And then you realize that you need a savior and that he paid that debt for you. And I think that's the foundation of joy. So in conclusion, I think the richest people are not the people with the most money or things. That's oftentimes overrated. But I think it's the people with an attitude of gratitude.